0: Shall make you free. He shall be free
1: to We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 25th, 2011. And today we'll just be covering some more current events and uh, related to the end times. We're going to be looking a little bit at um, some things relating to... Um, implantable microchips and associated tattoos with them, the hexagram and the mark of the beast. We're going to be looking at also uh, the pharmacia and how that plays into the end time uh, scenarios, a lot of the medical things that they're doing right now with uh, vaccinations and um, these types of things to bring that about. And then we're also going to be looking at toward the end more uh, some things I've received from listeners regarding uh in time, economic and survival skills, preparation, and these types of things. So we'll go ahead and start us out with some Bible verses. And these are some Bible verses that relate to the fear of the Lord. Um, Psalm 103.13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now I don't know about you, but I want God's pity. You know, I mean, that's something that I think we would all probably agree on what we would want. Um, so, as I've said before, there's a lot of blessings connected with the fear of the Lord. And these are just some verses that will confirm that. Psalms and Proverbs in particular are full of verses talking about this. And the Lord is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So, uh, these are things that we should look at uh, regarding our own life. Psalm 103, verse 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children. So again, there's another blessing uh, connected with the fear of the Lord, which is God's mercy. In the previous verse, we talked about God pitying His children. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you have a child, or if you have, you know, even a niece or nephew or somebody, if a child comes to you and they're humble and they're, let's say you've, they've done something bad and they're, they're trembling in fear about what repercussions might result, you're going to have a much more likelihood to pity them and to have mercy on them than if they came to you kind of all bowed up and saying, well, I did it and what are you going to do about it and this type of thing. I mean, it's just common sense. So this is the way I believe the Lord looks at things as well, to a certain extent. Um, Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. So it's the beginning of wisdom. It's also the beginning of understanding and, the, and of knowledge as well, which is very important, particularly regarding the day and times we're going into, whereas the Bible says in Hosea 4.6 that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Daniel says in the book of Daniel where it talks about that many shall run to and fro in the, and essentially in the end times knowledge shall increase. But a lot of that knowledge is deceptive knowledge. I mean, if you just turn on you know the TV and go by what the ma- mainstream media is telling you, or even you go up to you know the televangelist sites or, or Sky Angel and these types of things, most of the time you're only going to get... Uh, half-truths, a partial look at things, you're not going to really get the full picture. And you really have to seek God, you have to seek His wisdom, His knowledge, um, you have to seek His will in order to lead you into true knowledge. Because most of the knowledge out there, most of the wisdom or understanding, a lot of it's corrupted, obviously in today's day and age. Um, Jesus Christ said, be not deceived, is going to be the earmark of the And times that we're moving into in Matthew 24 and elsewhere. So, we want to really stay on guard to be not deceived. And that's hard to do nowadays. Very, very hard to do. Um, Let's go further. But you can do it through the Lord. Let's see here. Uh, Next verse. Psalm 115, verse 11. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So this implies protection. But it also implies trusting, which would also imply faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, in order to trust in God, you have to have faith in God. So, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, if you don't feel like you have any faith, or have very much faith... Well, you need to get in the word of God to build your faith. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, where it says, talking about uh, the full armor of God, which we're supposed to put on, it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So above all, it's a very, very important thing. Um, And I really believe you build that faith through the word of God. And also, there's other ways, obviously, that faith can be built, but that's probably the primary way. Uh, Let's go further. Psalm 115, verse 13 says, He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Another blessing connected with fear the Lord. Uh, Psalm 118, verse 4, Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. Which would also imply faith that His mercy does endure forever. A lot of this is interconnected with faith Psalm 118 verse 6 the Lord is on my side I will not fear what man can do unto me now that's a tough one to apply in application but it's a verse that is a good one to memorize the Lord is on my side I will not fear what man can do unto me it's particularly regarding the end times that were moving into me remember the Bible says what time I am afraid I will trust in thee and again that's Psalm 56 3 it's a real easy one to remember what time I am afraid I will trust in thee Psalm 56 3 so, meaning trusting in these, trusting in, in the Lord. So, going further, uh, Psalm 135, verse 20, Bless the Lord, O house of Levi, ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. So, this is another thing the Bible talks about. Literally, you know, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was that is within me, bless his holy name. That's, a, that's something the Bible says we're supposed to do. Bless the Lord. You know, so... Um, Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. So, something uh, to keep in mind there. Psalm 147, verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. There's not a lot of instances in the Bible where the Bible ever says God was well pleased or pleased with either either a person or people in general. It just... You don't read that a lot, but it does say here, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. And um, and another thing connected with fear of the Lord, obviously, is humility, because in order to fear the Lord, you have to humble yourself before God in order to fear him. So, and again, if you don't feel as though you possess fear of the Lord, pray for it. Just like you can pray for faith and wisdom, and the Bible says, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of the Lord. And, you know, he will give it to you. So, but you have to ask in faith. So a lot, you can see a lot of this is connected. Uh, Let's see here. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You'll see a lot of that in today's day and age. Most people do not want true wisdom. Most people do not want instruction. And a lot of, I get a lot of emails from people, and they're like, well, "What do I do?" What do, you know? Well, there's a time when you know you've done what you can do trying to help somebody, and you're just going to burn. I mean, through that person, many times the devil will burn up so much of your time, so much of your effort, and you're just going to end up exasperated over it. There comes a time when you cast not your pearls before swine as the Bible says, lest they trample them and rend you, turn and rend you. So, you know, uh, there's a time when you answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Now there is a time you answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Now those verses are back to back in the Bible. So there's a time you do answer a fool, and that's typically potentially at the beginning of, of an argument or a debate about something. But then there comes a time when, you know, listen, you're just you're just burning up your time. It's just an absolute waste of time. When that time comes, is between you and the Lord. I can't tell you when that is. But if you've been burning your time on a particular person or family for you know, a long, long time, and you're getting nowhere, there may come a time when, not to say that that person or that family might not get saved, but it may be a time just to turn them over to the Lord and say, Lord, I've done all I can do. I put them in your hands, and hopefully, you know, we've sowed enough seed there that when you're, whatever you're going to do happens, they'll remember the seed that, that I've sown through you in that particular person or in a particular family. uh uh-huh. So, I get that question a lot. Let's go further here. Proverbs 1, 29. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So see how how hating knowledge is actually connected with not choosing the fear of the Lord? You would think they might be totally unrelated subjects, but in God's eyes, they are. In God's eyes, these are all connected. Faith, humility, humility, fear of the Lord, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, they're all interconnected. And, particularly if you leave humility or fear of the Lord out of the equation, and you think you're just going to get book smart, biblically, head smart, without the, without the aid of the Holy Spirit, or in and of yourself, you're going to be, and this is what happens to a lot of people, you know, in ministry. They go to a, cemetery, I mean seminary, and they get real book smart head smart potentially. Not everybody, but a lot. And they're taught the ways and the traditions of men and these types of things, and they're taught that, you know, there's better renderings for this verse, and the King James is really a, kind of a passé version. It's, it's old. It's, you know, it was okay at one time, but we need the newer modern scholarship and these types of things. And, um, you know, you say, oh, the old paths, there's no wisdom there, which, which the Bible But the Bible says that we're supposed to actually seek the old paths, wherein is wisdom. So these are just things, some things to uh, to bear in mind there. Um, next verse, Proverbs 3.7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil." Being, being not wise in thine own eyes would imply humility. It would, it would be actually the opposite of, um, humility is the opposite of pride essentially. Uh, Being not wise in your own eyes would be the opposite of pride. And this is why humility is so important. Um, And pride is so deadly because pride tends to blind you to things that uh, maybe if you weren't proud in a particular area, you would see that. But pride will blind you to that so that you don't see it anymore. And this is why when um, Lucifer fell, and the Bible talks about because of thine merchandise, in thy beauty, essentially, those are the two things, thou was lifted up, okay, with pride. And, you know, then he started wanting to literally usurp God, you know, in the Bible. And, you know, what a, you'd think, what a crazy thing for someone to possibly try to attempt. But he got so full of pride, um... And so blinded by that pride that I guess maybe he thought deep down he could actually maybe pull it off. I don't know. That's delusional, is what that is. And that's what pride will do to you. It will make you ultimately delusional. So be not wise in thine own eyes. um, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then Proverbs 8.13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Okay, so this is a good one. Here's a partial definition of the fear of the Lord. is to hate evil pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way. And the froward mouth, that word froward, the Hebrew root for it is, or the Hebrew source for it essentially means perverse, or perverted. Uh, And the froward mouth do I hate. So, fear the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way. And the froward or perverse mouth do I hate. So, Uh, Those are some things that, um, just good things to know about the fear of the Lord. Obviously not an exhaustive study on fear of the Lord, but I just wanted to kind of kick things off with some of those Bible verses today. The uh, first article we're going to get into is entitled, U.S. Patent for Microchip with Tattoo. This patent, now this is actually from the patent itself, and I give you a link to the patent. This patent is for an implant on the skin, on the skin. A tattoo to indicate where the chip is. Okay, so it's an actual tattoo which indicates where the implantable microchip is. And I'm reading right from the patent. This is from October 16, 2003. Skin marking for indicating subdermal chip. The presence of a device that is implanted under the skin of a subject, and this is the abstract of the patent, the presence of a device that is implanted under the skin of a subject and that stores information that can be read by an external device is indicated by an externally visible marking on the skin of the subject. Now, this is exactly what I predicted, and I'm not going to boast about it, but it's exactly what I've predicted the mark of the beast will ultimately be. Some type of tattoo on the skin interlinked with a implantable microchip underneath. Because it's going to be the mark of the beast. Okay, It's going to be a mark where you'll be able to identify those that have taken the mark of the beast, you know, in the forehead or the right hand. Okay, the King James renders it in the forehead or in the right hand, Okay, which would imply something in. Now, if it was purely a tattoo, it really couldn't be in the hand or the forehead. But if it was a tattoo in a microchip, That would also explain how you could actually... The Bible says that you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without it, meaning it's going to be linked into some type of commerce. Well, if it's linked to something like your bank account, how could it just be a tattoo on the skin? I mean, I understand they've got these really mega-advanced tattoos coming out that can do amazing things, but I don't think it could actually ever get to the point where it would be like a microchip under the skin. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I've done a whole teaching um, on this, and this one teaching I give you the link to. It's called The Hexagram and the Mark of the Beast. and I'm just going to kind of read you the foreword to the study, and then I give you the link here in the PDF. It'll be the PDF associated with April 25th, 2011. Many believe the six-pointed star, or hexagram, is a Jewish-slash-Christian symbol, but nothing could be further from the truth, as it is one of the most wicked of all occult symbols. The six-pointed star hexagram is a curse mark. It's a hex. What is a hex? When you put a hex on somebody, you curse them. It's a six-pointed star. Okay? Um, It's a curse mark no matter what name it may have, whether it be the star of David, and David never had nothing to do with this thing. It's just, they like to associate his name with it. The seal of Solomon's seal. Now Solomon may have had a lot to do with this, because remember in the Bible it said that he, you know, toward the end of his life he did fall away. Um, and got into some bad stuff. Uh, the double triangle, the shield of David, etc. When an occult practitioner puts a curse on someone, he typically uses a hexagram. Uh, the Bible says in um, Romans 10, 1-2, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God, to God, prayer, prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge." And now, again, this was something that was said in Romans 10.1. This was said a couple thousand years ago around there. And he's saying that Israel had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now, where, where is one of the verses where we can maybe find proof of that? Um, well, Obviously, you can see ultimately what happened in the, in the account of the Lord Jesus Christ and these types of things. And I've done a whole study on the biblical cause for Israel's affliction. Now, this isn't me slamming Israel in any way, shape, or form, okay, at all, so don't think that. But I have done a teaching on that, Um, you know, when they cried out to Pontius Pilate, you know, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, let Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. That wasn't a good thing, okay? And remember, the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentile come in. So, anyway, if you want to access that teaching, just do a keyword search for it up on ContendingForTruth.com or I have other resources on the right-hand side of that so you can see that. So, And again, if you listen to this teaching, my teachings, you'll know. I have a try to have a biblical balance regarding Israel. I don't just, you know, I'm very much against what Islam and the Muslims and these types of things are trying to perpetrate against Um, Israel and these types of things. I also know there's a lot of wicked Zionists that are, um, call themselves Jews, but they're not, as the Bible says, they are of of the synagogue of Satan, that are actually in control of, of, at least from a political standpoint, of many of the things going on in Israel and in the Illuminati. I'm not going to deny that. But there has to be some happy medium, some not throwing the baby out with the bathwater medium that we can strike, uh, regarding that subject, unless, you know, you're like somebody into British Israeliism or uh, various other flavors of, I would call it pseudo-Christianity out there that says God is totally done with the Jews and there's you no know, point in pursuing that and they're, they're all cursed and all these other things. I don't ever teach that. But a lot of um, sects of pseudo-Christianity do teach that. And they fancy themselves one of the 12 tribes and these types of things. So... Anyway, um, that's a whole, that would be like probably about 20 parts of teaching to try to cover all that. Uh, But I have addressed that subject in many other teachings in the past, uh, at least in part. So, brethren, uh, we already read that one. And then, so, it is not my goal to condemn the Jewish people, but to condemn the six-pointed star, a curse symbol. The hexagram was mentioned and condemned by God, by the God of Israel, in Amos 5.26. And it was called by him the star of your God, um, Molech, or otherwise called Chun. Amos five twenty-six and twenty-seven says, and this is God indicting Israel. But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Molech and Ch- and Chun, which is also known as Rempham, your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. Says the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. And then this is a indictment to, against Israel. Uh, They were in idol worshipping, big time. And Moloch, you know, Moloch was, you know, you sacrificed children to Moloch. Um, And I would imagine Rempham and Shun as well. That was one of the things that they did. Therefore, will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord. References were also made to the Israelites having it in the wilderness, in Acts 7.43. Um... Let's see here. And this was by Stephen. Now, when Stephen was indicting the Jews, he said, uh, in, in Acts 7.43, it's referred to as the star of Rempham. Okay? And all these names refer to the god Saturn. Okay? As in Saturnalia, as in the sixth planet from the sun... Saturn has six letters. It's also an acronym for Satan. So you see how a lot of... Now, granted, I cover this in depth in this teaching, so I don't want to go too far or say a whole lot more. You need to listen to the teaching and look at the PDF if you have any doubts regarding this particular subject, because I'll load your boat with, with information there. Um, so in that particular verse, it's called the Star of Remphan. Uh, now, the name Saturn in the Chaldees is pronounced, pronounced Satur- But, as every Chaldee scholar knows, consists of only four letters, which is S-T-U-R, otherwise known as star. This name contains exactly the apocalyptic number uh, 666, and I give you what each letter represents. Now, Saturn is also the sixth planet from the sun, has six letters, and Saturn is associated with Satan, which has a very similar spelling as well. So, again, um, I'll just kind of whet your appetite there with that information. I also did a teaching a long time ago, and the other one was not recent either, but the the information, I would say, is equally valid today, uh, entitled The National ID and the Mark of the Beast. I'll just read you the foreword to that. Regarding the question of whether the National ID is the Mark of the Beast, by analyzing the verses in Revelation that pertain to the Mark of the Beast, which we will be doing in this audio study, it seems apparent that the mark will have to be received in one's forehead and hand, but nevertheless, I do not recommend getting the national id if they ever implement it it seems the mark will be connected to the name of the beast or the number of his name but the actual mark is the thing that is consistently emphasized if we examine the verses in revelation now another condition of the mark would be that you will not be able to buy or sell without it and in the us at least initially this condition would not be would not apply to the national id card Also, looking at these verses in Revelation, the taking of the mark occurs during the seven-year tribulation and not before it. In light of this, uh, the Antichrist will have to be ruler of the world before the mark can be implemented from a biblical standpoint. And we know from Revelation and Daniel that this takes place during the tribulation. We will also be looking at the U.S. National ID card in depth and how Homeland Security via Michael Chertoff, at least at the time, was aggressively pursuing its implementation. So, anyway, that's... Just a couple things that relate to the mark of the beast, but in that teaching on the hexagram, that's what I had predicted. That it's most likely going to be an implantable microchip with some type of tattoo associated with it. And the patent, like it was said, that that's a patent that was back in '03, and obviously there's probably probably has far more advanced things now that they could implement. Uh, next article, let's see here. It's called "Future Drugs for Mind Control and to Change Morality." Revelation 18.23 says, And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Okay, so this verse is in reference to the judgment of Babylon. And we back up a couple verses, it says, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. And cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall no more be found at all. And then we had skipped um, to Revelation 18.23. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be no more be heard in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Um... So, by thy sorceries, and if we look up that word, is translated from the word pharmakia, which is where we, which is the root word for pharmacy, pharmaceuticals, medication, and by extension, magic, sorcery, and witchcraft. They're all connected. Okay, so I've done um, uh, about a six-part teaching here on pharmakia that I posted the links to. And if you want to hear that particular teaching, that will go in depth into that particular subject here. So, they will be with the PDF again for uh, 4-25-2011. And going further, it says, this next article here we're looking at, Scientists warn that drugs of the future will be designed specifically to control the human mind. Uh, It may sound like something out of science fiction plot, but Oxford researchers say that modern conventional medicine is gradually developing ways to change the moral states of humans through pharmaceutical drugs and thus control the way people think and act in various life situations. Now, remember, we just read that verse, that for by thy sorceries, which is where we get the root word for pharmakia, where all nations deceived. And you, somebody may say, well, it's just... Pure casting spells. Yeah, I, I think it's also mind altering drugs as well, which seems to be playing a bigger and bigger part in our society. I mean, they're trying to medicate the water. I mean, they're already medicating it with fluoride, which is a mind altering drug. I mean, the the Nazi um, the the Nazi uh, prison camps fluoridated the water of the Jews to make them docile and passive. It's a well known fact. It's one of the things that fluoride, up until uh, very recently, was the main ingredient in rat poison. Sodium fluoride. It's an absolute toxic substance. Now, there is naturally occurring fluoride, which, occur, which occurs in, in nature, like in the soils and things like that, and that is good. But sodium fluoride is a poison. And, you know, I mean, that's why they put it in toothpaste, and that's why it says on the toothpaste that, you know, if you, if you um, consume more than you would normally put on a normal toothbrush, on the back of your toothpaste thing, read it if you don't believe me, uh, sit, call poison control. Just more than you would put on a normal uh, tube of toothpaste. And there you're putting it in one of the most highly absorbable areas of your whole body, which is the, um, the uh, inner mucosa of the mouth. Highly absorbable area. And they put it in the water. Why are they doing that? Well, are trying to kill us. Number one, it causes cancer. It also burns out the lower brain lobes, which affects your will to resist, which makes you docile and passive, and basically just a sheeple people. Causes bone cancer. Causes all kind of bone-softening diseases. You have bones. It's terrible for your bones. It's not good for them. Causes all kind of other horrific things. You can do keyword searches on it. And that's just one of the drugs that they're putting in water. I've, I've seen proposals of them wanting to put Prozac in water and these types of things. And I, and I really believe you're going to see more and more and more of this pharmacia dumbing down approach to mind control. And we are already seeing a ton of it, but it's only going to most likely get worse. These new drugs will literally have the ability to disrupt an individual's personal morality. And instead reprogram that person to believe and do whatever the drug, d- drug designer has created that drug to do. Now, if the root word for sorcery is pharmacia, okay, and we have all these incredibly wicked pharmaceutical companies that originally spawned, if you go back to the inception of pharmaceutical companies, Ig Farben, which was one of the main, it was the main financial backing behind Hitler. Okay, Hitler was like a failed house painter painter at one point, and He had to have a lot of money and propaganda behind him in order to get him where he was. I.G. Farben was the main driving monetary force behind Hitler. That's how he got to where he was at. And they were originally a chemical conglomerate that ultimately branched out after World War II into the pharmaceutical industry. And ultimately ended up uh, controlling a lot of the uh, medical colleges where doctors got trained, and then ultimately a lot of the hospitals. And this is why, you know, at some point all drugs developed pharmaceutical protocols so that they could treat uh, diseases, but they were only treating the symptoms of the diseases with the pharmaceuticals. And then that way the pharmaceuticals were all habit forming at bare minimum and addictive at worst. And they all had their own list of side effects pro- from which you would have to take more pharmaceuticals in order to counteract those side effects. It's, it's a win-win situation for, for the pharmaceutical companies because they're prescribing more drugs, they're, they're suppressing the symptoms, it's like sweeping it under the rug so the underlying condition can get worse and then ultimately you have to either take more drugs or you turn into a surgical candidate because the underlying symptoms get so bad you have to have surgery for a particular thing. It's a brilliant plan if you want to make money. And that's what they're all about. Reoccurring revenue is what pharmaceuticals and the medical industry is all about. I have no problem with emergency medicine. You know, do what you have to do to save a life. But beyond that, you cannot drug your body into good health. If you have a symptom, and you just take drugs to suppress the symptom, you're doing nothing to correct it. I mean, what are you doing? Okay, that would be like you're driving your car down the road, the oil light comes on in your car, which is a symptom that something's wrong, and you say, I'm going to fix that. And you take a black magic marker, and you block out, the oil light, and you just keep driving. That's what's taking pharmaceuticals for a given malady. And I understand, there's exceptions to certain things. I mean, you know, with these things, they're not all mind-altering these types of things. But for the most part, you're suppressing symptoms. Okay? Which doesn't really fix the underlying cause. It usually typically uh, perpetuates the underlying cause. But that's how they make their money. It's called reoccurring revenue. And... Uh, IG Farben was the driving force behind Hitler. And they were a totally, totally wicked company that literally spawned in to the pharmaceutical industry that we have today. And things are no less wicked. I just think they're a little more slick in the way they advertise and do things. I mean, you've all seen the commercials on there. So, these new drugs will literally have the ability to disrupt an individual's personal morality. Now, here's another thing. It's well known in the occult that if you want to... I've I've seen too many occultists interviewed. Whenever they... And these are usually higher level occultists. Like, let's say they were going to go and they were going to perform a human sacrifice. Or whatever. Animal. Okay. Almost every time, what is required of them, or what is highly encouraged at bare minimum is to partake of mind-altering drugs prior to these events. Why? Because your inhibitions are lowered. I mean, a lot of these occultists even would have a repulsion, at least at the beginning, to you know, slitting someone's throat and sacrificing them over some type of satanic altar. And this stuff does happen. Well... You get enough drugs into somebody, and you'd be surprised how their imbi- inhibitions start to go away. And then you have that herd mentality if everybody else is there to do it. Not only that, we're not even talking about the demonic component of the actual drug itself. Now, are you telling me that only recreational drugs would have a demonic component? It's well known that even these types of mind altering drugs, recreational and, I believe, um, to a certain extent, pharmaceutical, particularly mind-altering pharmaceutical drugs, you're dealing with pharmacia. there is a demonic component there. Why is it that when people get put on Prozac, many times they're the ones that go, um, well, that term go postal? Well, all those people in the post office that went nuts, every one of them, that, of the postal workers that went crazy, were all on Prozac. It, it increases the rate of suicide. It, it makes things worse overall. There is a dem- huge demonic component with these drugs, which you cannot see. Oxycontin. When I was in practice, um, I worked with an MD at one point, and we had we were we were um, in a personal injury practice primarily, and I was just treating patients. But the MD, they would come in these people, and some of them were what they call candy seekers, meaning they were there for the drugs. They would literally either get in a fake accident or whatever. In order to get in so they could get their next fix. And some of these people were legitimate. But I've seen people that get get on OxyContin. This is when it first came out. OxyContin was originally developed as a terminal stage cancer drug. It was the only time it was supposed to be used. Terminal cancer. Now, you know, they should use it like crazy. And I would see people that were, I thought, generally decent people. You put them on that drug and overnight... They're a different person. Overnight, it's like they would... It seems like they would slit your throat in order to get that. They'll lie. They'll do whatever they have to. The biggest thing I see that those types of drugs, particularly Oxycontin, produces... The the biggest change I see is it will turn people into liars. Liars. That's what I kept seeing over and over again. They would lie like a rug in order to get that drug. I just rhymed. Anyway, um... Yeah, they would. They, there's nothing they wouldn't say or do. Now, how could that be of God? I mean, there's got to be a gigantic demonic component. Uh, so, it's just something to think about. And again, I cover that much more in depth in the teaching that I'm posting here. So, science has ignored the question of moral improvement so far, but it is now becoming a big debate, said Dr. Guy Kahan of the Oxford Center for Neuroethics in the UK there is certainly there's already a growing body of research you can describe in these terms studies show that certain drugs affect the way people respond to moral dilemmas by increasing their sense of empathy group affiliation and reducing aggression oh yeah you're you're just going to try to present the rosy side of things well obviously because these people are all bought and paid for by the pharmaceutical companies so they're going to you know only give you really lies, as far as I'm concerned. While this may sound good, in theory, mind control is already a very dangerous side effect of existing drugs. Taking the antidepressant Prozac, for instance, which has been known to cause those taking it to lash out in violent rages. One young boy murdered his father by beating him and stabbing him in the head, hit his mother with a crowbar and stabbed her in the face, shortly after taking Prozac. So, and I give you the link, this story is riddled with links you can click on if you want to explore what we're talking about further. Uh, but the kind of drugs Kahan and his colleagues are referring to imply designer drugs specifically designed to not only alter one's mental state, but also to change the way that a person thinks about situations from a moral perspective. A moral perspective. I mean, that's heavy duty. The end result is literally a type of drug-induced mind control where human subjects will be controlled by someone else. And unable to make conscious decisions for themselves. Well, that's what Satan wants. Satan wants people totally drugged up. Uh, He wants them incredibly unhealthy, totally toxic, dumbed down, concerned about things that don't matter. And your eyes totally off anything of God. That's what this whole the whole goal of this is. Satan's trying to get as many people as he possibly can into the lake of fire, ultimately, which is where he'll end up, him and his fallen angels. He's trying to get as many people there as possible. And this is a great way that... Not a great way, but this is for him. He's looking at it like a great way in order to um, deceive the masses and, and to get them um, just totally psychologically dumbed down. So there's some other articles that relate to this that I also posted the, um, the uh, links to, which goes a lot further into this particular subject. And you can also listen to my teaching on it, which I gave you all the links for that. Okay, let's go further here. This is entitled, Dangers of a Totalitarian Society Exposed in Brave New World. Okay, so going further, and it seems to me perfectly in the cards that there will be within the next generation or so. Now this is Aldous Huxley, quote from him. In the cards. What does that mean when you use that term, in the cards? That means in the tarot cards. That's how they're actually pronounced, tarot. Tarot is how I was pronouncing it for a long time. But anyway, uh, and it seems to me perfectly in the cards that there will be, within the next generation or so, a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude. Now this was written decades ago, long, long time ago. Uh, this He died in... Um, 1963, so this was said quite a long time ago. So a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude, hmm, it's like Big Brother, I mean, in that particular sense, in producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire societies, so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them, but will rather enjoy it. Because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda, brainwashing, or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods, end of quote. Yeah, and that's the where we're fastly approaching George Orwell's, you know, 1984 Big Brother scenario. Very, very similar um, to that scenario. So, Aldous Huxley was an English writer, best known for his novels, including Brave New World, in a wide-ranging output of essays, Aldous Huxley was a humanist and a pacifist. He was laterally interested in spiritual subjects such as parapsychology and physiological mysticism. He is also well-known for advocating and taking psychedelics. I would assume like things like LSD and these types of things, psychedelics, tapping into that realm. One thing I forgot to mention is it's well-known also in the occult that if you want to invite demons devils, whatever you want to call it, deities, into you, if you're trying to acquire further power as an occultist, uh, usually is a prerequisite that you take these types of drugs in order to not only lower inhibitions, but it also opens doors, bad doors, into you literally. It opens doors into you, into your soul, essentially, which allows these demons to come in and infest you. That's well known in the occult. They're doing it on purpose. Most people don't understand that these types of mind-altering drugs, you're opening those types of doorways. On a superficial level, Brave New World is a portrait of a perfect society. Superficial. The citizens of this utopia live in a society that is free of depression and most of the social-economic problems that trouble the world today. All aspects of life are controlled for the people of this society which are population numbers, social class, and intellectual ability. History is controlled and rewritten to suit the needs of the state. Really that's what we get now just with with mainstream news. It's such a bunch of bald faced lies every day, you know, that you get whether it's on, you know, T V or radio or whatever. So they're they're, you know, fulfilling a lot of this already. All of this is done in the name of social stability. When one looks beneath the surface of this, quote, perfect society, it becomes evident that it is nothing of the sort. Eugenics, social conditioning, and antidepressant drugs have solved many of the problems faced by many modern society. Now, notice it's antidepressant drugs. That's one of the main things. Eugenics, you know, well, creating this uh, type of super race like Hitler was after, the Aryan race, the fifth root race... These types of things. Uh, but notice, antidepressant drugs do play a big part. Uh, they have solved many of the problems faced by modern societies, poverty, class tensions, overpopulation. And then, you know, it's, it's all lies. These things wouldn't solve these types of problems, but they're portraying it may. But at the cost of individuality and with their humanity. The citizens of the brave new world are engineered to suit the needs of The state. Individual expression is impossible because everyone is conditioned to think alike. Brave New World is a, is a book about a future that seems more viable and less brave with each passing day as our values become more materialistic and our faith in God dwindles slowly to be replaced by technology. In futuristic society of the novel, God has been replaced by science and technology is a, a source substance in meaning in life. As a consequence, the words Christ and God are replaced with Ford, the the word Ford. This is done because Huxley believed that the shift in emphasis from God to technology occurred to a large extent with Henry Ford's introduction of the Model T. Huh, interesting. Instead of using the Christian calendar, um, this date is used as an opening date in the New Era, which was... Okay, uh... Okay, and that date is AF, like we've got, um, you know, BC and those types of things. Well, they have the date Ford, AF. I guess it means after Ford, 1632. This shift of importance is symbolized by substituting the Christian cross with the Ford uh, symbol or something. Ford T2, it says. Anyway, that's pretty, I mean, that's insane, but... You know, I kind of understand the the gist of what he's trying to do there. The motto of the new world state that now controls the world is community, stability, identity. This motto emphasizes the importance of society over the individual. Community emphasizes the importance of individual as a con- contributor to society. Identity is used to refer to the various tasks which divide society. Their various tasks and their class distinguishing uniforms. Stability is the main goal of the world state. The world state was founded on the principles of controlled eugenics and social conditioning, the elimination of the family, and the belief that homogeneity of thought and behavior all lead to a stable society. The novel opens with a tour of a factory where the unborn citizens of the brave new world are created. They are not born naturally but in an assembly line resembling the kind that Ford first invented to produce cars. The process, called Bokanovsky or budding, is used to produce as many as 96 children from a single sperm and ovum. Now, I could go further. I'm not going to. i give you the link there if you want to hear the full critique of the book. But, uh, you know, with all the stuff we've talked about with transhumanism and all these things that they're doing, messing with the DNA, and, and, and there's a lot of different shows that go into this as well. You know, that wouldn't surprise me if it ended up getting to something like that. There, there's a lot of uh, posturing that that will that they will try to pull that off someday. It will, might get that bad. Okay, so continuing with this vein of thought, uh, next article is entitled Couple Outraged After Hospital Takes Newborn Baby Away. Uh this was sent to me by Lynn. Hi, Scott. This type of news is disturbing. I used to work as an RN for many years and cannot believe the hospital would call CPS and show up with a policeman over a case of mild jaundice. This is a hospital I would advise everyone avoiding. Well, unfortunately, they're pretty much all getting that way. Last week in Nevada, Lincoln, uh, Nevada, Lincoln Nevada, in... Okay, I'm sorry. Last week in Nevada, Lincoln and Cecilia Rogers found out the hard way just how little parental rights can mean in some situations. Their newborn daughter, Lilia was slightly jaundiced, uh, probably from the vitamin K shot that she was given. So the staff at Summerlin Hospital recommended that she be kept overnight. The couple received a second opinion from a pediatrician at the hospital who agreed with the couple that they could care for little Lilia at home. Uh, Quote, we really wanted to take the natural approach if we could, Cecilia is quoted. But their original nurse disagreed and called Child Protective Services. When Child Protective Services arrived with a police officer, they made it clear that baby Lilia would not be going anywhere. They said, quote, if you leave the hospital, um, we, I will have to arrest you and your husband. Hey, this is brave new world, you know? And then Child Protective Services walked in and started interrogating my wife, Lincoln recalls. Basically, they were going to take the baby, and put her in an incubator no matter what. I thought that we had no option. Unbelievable. And that's why, you know, personally I try to avoid hospitals at all cost of whenever possible. Uh, because you're going to see more and more of this. I mean, where is the seat of pharmacia in the modern day world? Well, if you look at, you know, the pharmaceutical companies that work integrally with the medical colleges, the hospitals, and the doctors obviously, you know, the hospitals would have to be one of the most dangerous places on the planet for you to be. And this is true. Um, From a lot of different standpoints, uh, I've done some studies uh, where we talked about that, you know, they talk about cancer and heart disease being the number one killer worldwide, but if you add up all the things that the medical profession botches every year, necessary, well, surgeries, unnecessary surgeries... Properly prescribed pharmaceuticals. Improperly prescribed pharmaceuticals. What they call nosocomial infections. Which are infections you get if you're in a hospital. And then the list goes on and on. If you add all those up, the medical profession is without a doubt the number one cause of death in America. It far exceeds cancer. And they're the ones that perpetuate cancer and heart disease anyway. And again, um, I've covered that in a lot of other teachings. So, uh, Unfortunately, that's the day and time we're living in. Uh, I was sent a link by a listener, and it was entitled, Fighting Child Protective Services False Accusations. It's fightcps.com. Fightcps.com. I'll give you a link here in the PDF. If you're having problems with CPS, there's a link with some resources for you. Next article, Mother Jailed for Taking Vaccine Damaged Daughter Off Risperdal. This is just from April 1st. A mother from Detroit was jailed this week for trying to protect herself and her daughter from the police and the Child Protective Services. Marianne Godboldo's problems began when her daughter, age 13, was given mandatory vaccinations. That's when her problems started, notice. The shots were given to her daughter to enable her to begin public school. Shortly after the vaccines... Um... Mary Ann noticed a sudden change in her daughter's behavior shortly after the vaccines. Her daughter became easily irritated, suffering severe mood swings and episodes of facial grimacing. Worried about her daughter's strange and uncharacteristic behavior, she asked the Children's Center for help. The center recommended that her daughter, um, that her daughter took the controversial and anti-psych- excuse me, antipsychotic drug Risperdal, That was what their answer was. So she gets vaccinated with their sorcery pharmakia and all the garbage that's in the vaccines. You know, aluminum, you know, formaldehyde, which is embalming fluid, mercury. We're going to talk about these things. Foreign DNA. Who knows what it's cultured off. And we're going to look at the 13 different vaccines, at least 13 different vaccines that are cultured directly from aborted fetal tissue, right off aborted fetal tissue. Sometimes they culture them off green Reese's monkey kidneys, diseased ones, chicken embryos, things like that. You know, things that are, you know, it sounds like a witch's brew. And it is a witch's brew. That's what vaccinations are. Well, so in order to counteract the pharmacia and this witch's brew from the vaccinations that were causing these uncharacteristic behaviors and facial grimacing and severe mood swings, the medical profession's uh, solution was to try a controversial antipsychotic drug, Risperdal. Instead of improving her daughter's behavior, however, the drug made her even more aggressive and violent. Hmm, sounds like it's working like a charm. Well, it is working like a charm. Like a witchcraft charm. Because charming in the Bible is associated with witchcraft and these types of things. The charmers, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, associated with witchcraft. Unhappy with her daughter's treatment, Marianne decided to ask for a second opinion. She asked the advice of a holistic physician who recommended that she wean her daughter off the drug. Despite her daughter's rapid improvement, once that was done, however, immediately she was weaned off the drug. Uh, The CPS arrived to remove the child. So... Don't you dare go against what, you know, this organization that acts as though they're God on earth, CPS. Even though she improved, CPS shows up, Child Protective Services show up to remove the child. Terrified that she was about to lose her child forever, Marianne barricaded herself and her daughter inside the house. After making sure that her daughter was safe, she picked up a gun, and warning the police and the CPS off, she fired the gun into the air. Not at them, but into the air. A mediator was immediately rushed to the scene, and after some persuading, the frightened and reluctant mother released the child. This was only after she was promised that her daughter would be given to a relative and not go into care. Miss, or Mary was then arrested and later jailed. Family members say that despite the promises made to her mother, the girl was taken into protective custody anyway. I mean, you know, you could have predicted that. They're not going to, you know, that's, they, they want you to do something like that they want to be able to say look at this lunatic who was resistant over getting these wonderful vaccines that that literally maim and kill untold thousands of people every year that that, that has caused an explosion of autism rates uh, since they since they've been implemented at a more aggressive rate that caused all these different horrific side effects that have who knows how much of a demonic component attached to them. I think vaccinations far more than pharmaceutical medications which you just ingest have far more of a demonic component than, than, than the pharmacia medications ever will because you're injecting it straight into the bloodstream. You're, you're, you're bypassing all natural routes that it would normally get into your body. You're, you're doing something totally unnatural in that regard. So, Marianne has since been released from jail on a two hundred thousand dollar personal bond, which has been hailed a small victory. Sadly, her daughter remains in the care of the state. She, you know, I'd be surprised if she ever got her back. You know the way these Nazis are. Um, Marianne's attorney says, "My client did not shoot at the police. Child Protective Services was trying to force her child to take a dangerous medication, Risperdal, which she was doing terrible on and against her will." We will have to be able to get a. Uh, we have been able to get a court order signed by Wayne County Circuit Court Judge, staying the administration of this drug, drug which is not approved by the FDA. In such cases, the FDA is just part of the problem, though. That's why they put her in Hawthorne, so they could dope her up. In other words, I guess they took her out of the county so that they could dope her up. Well, that's what they want. They want a bunch of subservient little sheeple people that they can control, and don't you dare question them. This is, you know, the brave new world that we were just talking about here. Here we have the story of a young, healthy teenager who up to the age of 13 had been home tutored. To enable her to enter a public school, she is forced vaccinated with vaccine after vaccine. Now, see, you have to understand, this is a girl that I don't think had ever been vaccinated. So in order for her to go into school, she'd have to catch up on all the vaccines she should have supposedly had ever since she was a newborn. Because they literally vaccinate you in the hospital. I mean, hepatitis B. Yeah, sexually communicable uh, disease or IV drug user disease. That's definitely necessary to do to a newborn. I mean, you know, I can totally see the logic in that. You know, it's it's absolute satanic insanity is what it is. But, you know, that th- this is what happens, unfortunately, if you were to try to insert your, your child into the public school system, particularly at a later age. I mean, it's really going to be rough. Uh, to do that and not have all kind of horrific things happen. Um, going further, let's see. So she was enabled to enter um, the public school system. She was forced vaccinated, vaccine after vaccine. After she suffers a severe adverse reaction, her desperate mother asks for help. Help of Instead of help, she's advised to get her teenage daughter to a dangerous antipsychotic drug, give her daughter a an e- dangerous antipsychotic drug that further poisons her daughter. Through sheer desperation, she sought a second opinion. Oh, how dare she, you know? As soon as the child shows signs of improvement, CPS moves in to then steal the child to continue the treatment, no doubt. that's not evil, I don't know what is. Uh, Going further, over recent years, we have found ourselves in a situation where we have an epidemic of psychotic children. However, every professor knows that for every action, there is a reaction. So to understand why we're being suddenly faced with millions of children requiring any psychotic medication, we need to look for a possible cause. Well, there's a lot of different causes, you know. But, um, well, they're, they're going to give their solution. I think it's not quite that simple, but it's a combination of things. But this is one of the main. To enable us to delve deeper, we need to look at when the child the changes in children's behavior began. According to many pediatric psychiatrists, the problem began to become apparent in the early 1990s. Another event began to occur around this time, and that was the sudden dramatic rise in the numbers of children being diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Is there a link here? Well, I believe there is. As we know, the conditions autism and ADHD have been linked to vaccines for many years. In particular, they have been linked to MMR vaccine, the monovalent. Monovalent measles vaccine was replaced by a trivalent measles, mumps, and rubella, hence MMR vaccine, in January of 1990. Since that time, hundreds of thousands of children suffering from autism and ADHD have been prescribed antipsychotic drugs to control their behavior. So they create the problem with the vaccine, and then they give you more drugs in order to treat the side effects of the demonic, horrific thing that the vaccine produced. And that way, you become totally entrenched into the medical system for your short life. Because you're not going to live real long like that. Doubtful you're going to live to be... I I think you're going to really see people's life expectancy go down, go down and down and down. And again, they're trying to depopulate the world, so that's what they want to do. I mean, my daughter has friends, and I mean, some of them are on, like, boatloads of medications. A lot of them are taking all kind of meds. And, and I mean, big-time stuff, big-time stuff going wrong with them. Gallbladder surgeries, kidney stones, all kind of crazy stuff. I mean, at very, very early ages. And a lot of them are totally addicted to drugs already. And and they, they totally eat like garbage. Everything is processed. Fluoridated, chlorinated water. Taken meds. Vaccinated to the gills. I mean, what chance do they have? You know, I'm not saying you can't do things to detoxify certain things out of your system, but you have to make an effort. And if you just stay in that system and become entrenched in that system, I just cannot see life expectancy being very long. Uh, it's a well-known fact that, that you know, the kids that get autism, I I, I worked with a guy and, and both his kids the day after they were vaccinated. They were autistic. There's whole support groups for people of... Autistic children that were vaccinated, and that usually they become autistic like the next day. They were normal. Or they start to develop convulsions or seizures or some kind of uh, horrific things in the body. Causes all kind of autoimmune reactions. Well, let's just look at some vaccines cultivated from aborted infants. Now, this is from my PowerPoint presentation, from the presentation I did on the Avion flu, where I did a 14-city tour back in 06, I believe. 06 or 05, I don't know. Anyway, these are just some of the vaccines... I believe a total of 13 that are cultivated from aborted infants. The rubella vaccine, which is known as Merivax, Rudivax, or Eruvax. Measles and rubella, which is MRVax and Rudirovax. The rubella and mumps, which is called Biovax. MMR, which we just mentioned, which is also known as MMR2. ROR, Triovax, or Priorvax. Hepatitis A vaccine. Havarix is also known as Havarix, chickenpox vaccine, which is also known as Varivax, polio vaccine, which is known as poliovax, the rabies vaccine, emovax, and the smallpox vaccine, which is known as ACAM-1000. And these are, quote, are cultured directly from aborted fetal cell lines. If you look in the PDR, which is the Physician's Desk Reference, you can look up these vaccines, and it will say, under how it's made, essentially, on on how it's processed, it'll say that it's cultured from human diploid cell cultures, which is a nice name for aborted babies. Um, In this particular case, there is um, three different aborted fetal cell lines. One is referred to as WI-3A, the other one is MRC 5, and the other one is RA273. Now you say, well, what does that stand for? Well, let's just look at what RA273 stands for. Okay, from an aborted baby, okay. RA273. The R stands for rubella. The A stands for abortus, meaning an aborted baby. The 27 stands, um, it's the 27th, 27th aborted infant. And the three stands for, it was the third tissue sample from that 27th aborted infant. That they finally got the tissue strain culture they wanted to culture this cursed vaccine from. So I think as a Christian, we should have a real gigantic problem with vaccinations just from that standpoint. What kind of curse may you be bringing on yourself when you get a vaccination from an aborted baby, cultured off an aborted baby, injected in you, not to mention all the other horrific garbage in the vaccines? I don't know, but I don't want to find out. Sure can't be good. Dr. Calakernios of the International Vaccine Newsletter of June 1995, and this is an MD, has the International Vaccine Newsletter, June 1995, said, was quoted saying, quote, my final conclusion after 40 years or more, in the business of medicine, because that's what it is, it's all about the money, is that the unofficial policy of the World Health Organization and the Save the Children's Fund in other vaccine-promoting organizations is one of murder and genocide. That's what their ultimate goal is. I cannot see any other possible explanation. You cannot immunize sick children, malnourished children, and expect to get away with it you'll kill far more children than would have died from the natural infection. End of quote. Here's another quote from an M.D. regarding this. Dr. Lancock, M.D., the author of The Medical Mafia, was quoted saying, Vaccination enables the selection of populations to be decimated. It facilitates targeted genocide. It permits one to kill people of a certain race, a certain group, a certain country, and to leave others untouched, in the name of health and well-being, of course. So those are just a couple opinions for you there. Uh, this is another article. I just got this one today. Top government vaccine researcher indicted for fraud. Autism research now in question. Federal government scientists whose research the CDC and other federal government agencies have relied on to assure the public that mercury-filled vaccines that we are forced to give our children are safe has been indicted for money laundering and mail fraud. Oh, not that, no, I, I I just can't believe it. In the wake of widespread breakouts of autism, immune defects, cancer, and cell damage being suffered in many people who have been forced to give vaccines to their children, various independent citizen groups have launched community awareness campaigns and conducted their own independent research into the safety of vaccines. All research carried out by Dr. Poole Thorson is now in question. The fact that this man has been exposed as as a complete fraud should essentially discredit his research, which the CDC has used to strengthen their claims that Thermarazol is safe uh, and has no link to autism. The actual indictment states the scientist was aided and abetted by others known and unknown to the grand jury. However, it does not take a rocket scientist to read between the lines and realize that those unknown others are the giant pharmaceutical companies and corrupt government officials in the CDC and the FDA who are on Big Pharma's payroll and seem quite happy to force poison and murder upon the masses in exchange for a fat paycheck and their cozy lifestyles. Talk about having no fear of God. Unbelievable. Okay, so next article, how does mercury affect children? Very young children are more sensitive to mercury than adults. Mercury in the mother's body passes to the baby and may accumulate there. It also can pass to a nursing infant through breast milk. However, the benefits of breastfeeding may be greater than the possible effects of mercury in breast milk, particularly considering the alternatives. Uh, Mercury's harmful effects that may be passed from the mother to the baby, including brain damage, mental retardation, incoordination, blindness, seizures, and inability to speak. Children poisoned by mercury may develop problems in their nervous and digestive system and kidney damage. If you've not read it already, they give you a, a link to this article on the history of thimerosal, which is what how they hide mercury in vaccines, Thimerosal, which they say is a preservative. Okay, so going further, a school vaccine clinic in Warwick, Rhode Island, had to be shut down this week because someone spilled mercury, and a hazmat team needed to be called in. Because we all know that mercury on the ground is dangerous, while mercury in a child's veins is safe, though, from the vaccines, and even recommended by the CDC and the AAP. You see how insane this is? We're going to look at this. News reports say that the thermometer was accidentally broken, so so the cafeteria where the vaccine clinic Was being held had to be evacuated. So they're injecting mercury-filled vaccines into kids. That's okay. But if uh, somebody breaks a a mercury thermometer, we have to—you know—the world's going to end. We've got to call in hazmat teams, and you know. But it's okay to inject it into them directly. That's all right, because that's where it needs to be. Right after we just heard all the side effects, let me just read you the story. Um, Chemical spill causes a hazmat team at a local H1N1 flu shot clinic, to be shut down. A thermometer accidentally broke Friday afternoon, spilling mercury onto the floor of a gym. Now this is from, uh, let's see here. Uh, it's just from a local news station. Um, okay, so it was spilling mercury onto the floor of a gym at Greenbrush School in West Warwick. The gym had to be evacuated. This is unbelievable. It took crews hours to clean up that spill. Now this is the same thing if you break one of these new complex fluorescent light bulbs almost all of them have loaded with mercury and essentially you're supposed to you know you break one of these things in your house you need to you know get, evacuate the house let it air out really uh, ideally call in a hazmat team to to make sure you get up all the mercury and shards of glass there's all these protocols that you're supposed to follow and that's that's terrible too but uh, you know in a the thermometer breaking but it's okay to inject it into Children, that's, that's okay. Uh, let's go further here. It says it took crews hours to clean up the spill. Hours to clean up the mercury from one thermometer? But what do you think the chances are of a mercury thermometer being used in a school in 2009? Haven't these gone the way of cigarette ads and seatbelts that buckle in the middle? Might not the most likely source of a mercury spill during an H1N1 vaccine clinic be the H1N1 vaccine itself? Yeah. Because of the mercury content in these vaccines, they cannot be thrown away or even disposed of according to medical waste guidelines. So there's enough mercury in the vaccines to actually initiate a hazmat cleanup, and we're going to prove that in a second. To do so would be illegal. They must be disposed of according to hazmat rules. These are flu vaccines. From the Wisconsin guidelines, we read, quote, Thimerosal contains about 50% mercury by weight. Thimerosal, remember, is the mercury preservative in vaccines, and it's used in flu vaccines and many other vaccines. Vaccines with a 0.01 percent thimerosal—they're only 0.01, one one hundredth of a percent of thimerosal—have about 50 uh, milligram per liter of mercury, which exceeds the 0.2 milligram per liter hazardous waste toxicity characteristic regulatory level for mercury. Hmm. According to the state and federal hazardous waste management requirements, discarded thermerazole-preserved vaccines may need to be managed uh, as hazardous waste, according to code D009. Because, as I called to your attention, now this is the person writing this article, because, as I called to your attention last month, these shots being given to children, if spilled on the ground are legally required to be cleaned up by a hazmat team. As a reminder, the mercury concentration in an H1N1 and seasonal flu shot is exponentially larger than what is considered hazmat material. Exponentially larger. A comparison of mercury concentrations from pediatrics. This is unbelievable. This is, um, um, and again, this is available with the PDF for March 25th, 2011, contendingfortruth.com. If you want to see these, it will be in the PDF on about page 12 or 13. Okay, so this is a comparison of mercury concentration from pediatrics. Uh, point, 0.5 parts per billion mercury equals enough to kill human neuroblastoma cells. Now this is proven in, I give you the reference to where this was proven. It's a scientific reference of experiment. Two parts per billion of mercury is the U.S. EPA limit for drinking water. Okay, two parts per billion, not million, billion. And I give you the link there. It's a epa.gov website where it says that. Okay, let's go further. 20 parts per billion. Now we're going up higher. We started at 0.5 parts per billion. We're going to two parts, but now we're going to go to 20, which is 10 times higher. That will equal neurite membrane destroy structure destroyed, which is uh, nerve of uh, part of the nerve uh, pathways of the brain. Okay, now let's go up 10 times higher than that. 20 parts per billion of mercury is the level in liquid the EPA classifies as hazardous waste. Hazardous waste. 200 parts per billion of mercury. Okay, let's go a lot, lot, lot higher. Let's really go through the roof. Let's go from 200 parts per billion to 25,000 parts per billion. I mean, that's a quite a jump, don't you think? That's the concentration of mercury in the hepatitis B vaccine administered at birth in the United States to infants. So 20 parts per, no, 200 parts per billion in liquid is considered by the EPA as hazardous waste. Okay? What would 25,000 parts per billion be? I mean, that's that's how many times higher. Well, 25,000 parts per billion is the concentration of mercury in the hepatitis B vaccine, given to infants at birth. How could you say they're not just trying to literally annihilate and destroy humanity, based on these statistics alone? Why isn't this front page news... I mean, this is really something to think about and ponder. 25,000 parts per billion is the concentration of mercury in the hepatitis B vaccine, which is a sexually transmitted or IV drug um, use disease. Oh, there's a lot of babies and, and, and um, that have problems with sexually transmitted diseases and uh, IV drug use. I mean, maybe they're mothers, but not them. You know, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this is like insanity, absolute mind blowing insanity. Now let's let's go. Let's double that. Fifty thousand parts per billion of mercury. Well, that's the concentration of mercury in the multi dose DTAP and Hemophilus B vaccine vials administered four times each. In the 90s, to children at 2, 4, 6, 12, and 18 months of age, the current preservative level mercury in multi-dose um, flu vaccines of men meningococcal men, 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 and tetanus and seven other vaccines. It's also the current preservative level, meaning 50 parts per billion, is the current preservative level in multi-dose flu and meningococcal men, and tetanus. Vaccines. I mean, we're not talking there's just a little bit of mercury in these vaccines. It's a wonder that their little bodies just don't drop dead from one vaccine, much less this type of unbelievable, horrific abuse. This can be simply confirmed by analyzing the multiple-dose vials, meaning they. these are... Um, I mean, this is just unbelievable, these statistics. What this means is that if you took one of the vaccines being injected into ch- in, the children at my son's elementary school outside, now this is the person writing the article, and squirted it onto the pavement, a hazmat rule would be triggered and a hazmat team must be called to clean it up. So is this what actually happened at this school? Did the school comply with the law and call the hazmat team in to clean up the thermarazole-containing vaccine spill? and then lie about it, telling the public that it was a thermometer, so that they would not see the violent absurdity of injecting hazardous material into the children? That's a more likely scenario, if you think about it. Anyone near uh, Warwick, if they want to follow this up and find a witness to this, quote, thermometer accident? Um, and then there was an update here. It, apparently... Deidre Imus is asking the same question. Deidre also points out that mercury thermometers were banned in Rhode Island seven years ago on their exchange program for mercury thermometers. It says as of 2002, Rhode Island legislators passed a law to ban the sale of mercury-containing fever thermometers. There is not a snowball's chance in Hawaii that there was an HG, a mercury thermometer, in the school of bacteria cafeteria, in December of 2009. In other words, it was more more than likely that one of the vaccine vials got dropped and they had to call in a hazmat team to dispose of it. You know, But it's okay, again, if, if they inject it straight into their bloodstream, uh, child's bloodstream. And just remember all of the side effects that I cited earlier regarding what mercury does to you. Now, here's an interesting article. EPA says you must weigh 550 pounds to safely process the mercury in just one flu vaccine. Did you know that? Thermirazol-containing flu shots have 25 micrograms of mercury in them. Okay? EPA daily limits on mercury intake are one microgram per kilogram of body weight. Now, there's a little bit of math involved here that's going to be hard to relate to you over the airwaves, but I give you all the the math here, okay? Uh, Essentially... He goes on to say, My 55 pound seven year old therefore weighs 25 kilos. Okay. Um, 25 times 0.1 equals 2.5. So he would need to get a concentrated dose of mercury, 10 times what the EPA advises is safe from just one flu shot. And again, if you want to see the math, it's laid out here. Okay, it's not really complicated. But if he got a flu shot, He's getting 10 times what the EPA advises is safe from just one flu shot. The EPA says that my son should receive no more than 2.5 micrograms of mercury per day. The vaccine he will be offered at school contains 10 times that amount. Uh, they go on to say I weigh 255 pounds. The vaccine is still more than twice what a person of my weight should be exposed to. Again, you'd have to have, be 550, 550 pounds to safely get what the EPA says that, that your daily limits should be. Further, these EPA standards are based on ingested methylmercury, the kind found in fish, only about a tenth of what is absorbed through the GI tract into the bloodstream. We have already seen from the Brubacher study above that the injected thimerosal becomes trapped in the brain. Injected thimerosal, injected mercury, becomes... Trapped in the brain at a much higher rate than ingested mercury. As I said, when you inject something into somebody, it doesn't have any natural way to get out of the system. The body will undergo autoimmune reactions. It it gets transported by the bloodstream to all parts of the body. It's not like you can just, you know, excrete it out. So it becomes trapped in the brain at a much higher rate than ingested mercury. And what does mercury do to the brain? It burns out the... um, it destroys brain cells essentially. It dumbs you down, just like a lot of the other things that we had talked about—chlorine and fluoride and a lot of these psychotropic or, or, or medications and these types of things. So the EPA standards I'm using are probably should be up up by tenfold when being applied to vaccination. So in other words, you know they're saying well 25 grams of mercury, but the EPA standards he's using should be up by tenfold. Because we're dealing with injectable mercury, not ingested. EPA, FDA, and CDC will not set safety limits for injected methylmercury, despite the demand from parents for them to do so for many years. Government agencies and states are supposedly trying to eliminate mercury in daily life, but that's a joke. That's an absolute lying joke. Bills and laws limiting and eliminating mercury are now ubiquitous are now ubiquitous. It is the height of cognitive dissidence to say that mercury should be eliminated from the environment, but injected into babies as young as six months. And all of this is true before you even begin discussing on whether or not mercury-containing vaccines cause autism. The CDC has done only one study of the relationship between vaccines and autism. A horrible study, and there's a link here to the horrible study, it took a best-selling book to explain just how many shenanigans, shenanigans went into the study. Now remember, we just told you that the guy that was in charge of the autism, uh, in part, study research, and he's been indicted on all these criminal charges now. So, all his research has come into question. I mean, these are devils. So, Julie Gerberding was finally forced to tell Congress that the study methods were quote useless in answering the question does mercury in vaccines cause autism and she did it in a coward's way which was a quiet report that was leaked to a reporter a few months later no formal retraction or apology has been issued and the study is still touted as proof that vaccines don't cause autism you know it's just it, it's just pure lies that you're dealing with here um Next article, latest scientific abomination. Genetically modified cows produce human breast milk. There seems to be no limit on the violations of natural law that will be committed in the name of science. The latest is an effort to make cows produce human breast milk. By using genetically modified embryos crossed with human genes, then implanted into surrogate cows. I mean, this is so disgusting. This is such an abomination, plain God. The result is a cow that produces milk containing a human protein called lysozyme, making it closer to the nutritional composition of human breast milk. That such an experiment is is even ongoing, of course, is sick at so many levels. It is a crime against nature, being committed solely for corporate greed. Look where this is headed. These genetically modified cows will produce en masse then held in somewhat basically a dairy cow concentration camp so that they can produce milk that some wealthy, powerful corporation will then market to American consumers as a breast milk replacement. Mothers will be told all sorts of lies about it, such as, oh, you don't need to breastfeed your babies anymore. You can just buy this cow-slash-human-slash-genetically-modified-organism-GMO breast milk. It's exactly the same as your own. Of course, the mad scientists pushing this scheme will claim it's a way for women who can't produce breast milk to buy a source of human milk, human-like milk, for the babies. But that's nonsense. We already have a cadre of human women who can produce breast milk and who are offering it for sale online, but are being threatened and shut down by health authorities. Oh, of course, anything that's natural... You know, they want to shut that down. The government, you see, doesn't want women to be able to sell their own breast milk to other women whose children might need it. No, they want you to buy it from a corporation running a factory dairy operation using genetically modified cows, because that's more scientific somehow. It also makes no sense, of course, why genetically engineered cows with human genes, when we already have humans with human genes who can create human breast milk right now, As with nearly everything being done in the name of science these days, this is really just a case of runaway corporate greed, not respect, uh, humility, or even a sense of compassion for humans and animals. In the name of science, these poor genetically engineered cows won't even be able to produce cow's milk for their own babies. They will be a freak of nature that are completely out of balance with their own species. The Chinese scientist who carried out this crime against nature, by the way, thinks it is a great idea, saying the modified bovine milk is a possible substitute for human milk and filled with the conception of humanizing the bovine milk because that's ultimately obvious from all of this is that the real animals in all of this are mad are the mad scientists who keep playing god with the genetic code they're smug and arrogant in their success of creating cow's milk that's almost human not realizing that god already created a perfect nutritional beverage for human babies when he created man with no science, no patents, no FDA, no technology, and no corporations whatsoever. It's called human breast milk, and there is no substitute. So yeah, I mean, it's some pretty sick stuff here that we're dealing with here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end part one there and just do a very brief teaching on part two because it's going to be more of a end-time preparation... Type of stuff that you would just need to actually go to the PDF and read. So, God bless you.
0: If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x. Dot, dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free twenty four seven on the internet at contending dot com. That's C O N T N D I N G F O R T R U T H dot com. Please help us continue this work to support this ministry our mailing address is Scott Johnson. Second line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202. Third line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.